I'm rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. All right. So I think that we're going to dispense with the idea that we're going to treat each episode as a discrete entity for the rest of this season of tuning in because United States of Tara is just not that kind of show. Yeah, it it does. It, We've seen a lot of pairs of episodes like th- this is a perfect example of something being set up and then the, then in the next episode they're dealing with the consequences. But yeah. I feel like a lot of that is even that – even because that's how we're watching them. In other words, if we'd watched four episodes of once, we would have talked about the four-episode Pammy arc, for example. Yeah. Um, and I th- Well, I think it's interesting because one of the things that I said last week about this season of United States of Terror so far is that – they're very much going more towards the latter half of the last season where episodes just don't really have much of a structure. Yeah. And that's true, but I also find that the the structure, especially in the first episode, um, which I believe was The Truth Hurts, yes. um, did have a structure, did have plot lines that resolved themselves. And also um, You Becoming You had that as well, especially with the, the Courtney and, and Marshall stuff. And the, Shosh- the bit of introducing Shoshana is kind of a, the plot, I guess, of the second episode, but it's not, I mean, it's kind of Tara's plot, and mo- most of Tara's plot, it's not the full plot of the episode or anything. It's not like the episode is totally centered around that. You have this, they go to ice skating in the first episode, but it's not like the fir- the episode is centered around a trip to the ice rink. Right, right. And I think that one of the, one of the interesting things for me so far this season is that this is still Tara's story, but at least in these first four episodes, and especially in these two, I don't really get a sense that Tara has much of a storyline here, mm. other than the alters are coming back and yeah. she needs to deal with that. Now, of course, she's dealing with Pammy, she's dealing with Buck having this relationship with this woman, and she tries to stop it in a very, in a way that was not very helpful or, yeah. or well thought out. I think it's, we've seen her one... He, we've seen her a couple of times pretend to be an altar for a minute. This is the most extended that we – I think it's really funny how bad Tara is at pretending to be Buck. Yeah. Way, like, well, and it also is more ammunition for the fact that, that Tara is not pretending. Yes, of I mean, course. These are dis- distinct personalities that are coming out. Yes. Again, the show makes no – bones about that that that's very much the premise of that but well one of the things that that i i think that maybe a good way to get into this conversation is to talk about what exactly uh, what exactly buck was doing in, in the first episode because yeah. you know one of the things that we said in in the last season was that all of the alters come out when tara has a problem that the alters are coming out to try yeah. and solve in some way that was certainly true for alice that was certainly true for buck and that was certainly true for t now well, i don't know what See, what here's Buck the was, thing. There, I don't know that that's really something that can hold up anymore. Uh, yeah, that was kind of where season one was going. And who told who told us that? That was Doctor Ocean, who you know was fully you know we fully agreed was not an expert in disassociative identity disorder. It doesn't seem that that was exactly the theory that the doctor at the clinic was working with. Yeah, and. You know, maybe that was a working construction for how it was working in the first season, but now things are different. Things have changed, and Buck isn't there for any reason. Buck is there because he happens to, you know, he sees this woman, and for whatever reason, he falls for her. I mean, he's we we see this nice montage of he's playing with her kids. He's you know rubbing her feet. I mean, by the way, listeners, if you ever date anybody in the service industry, just treat their feet well. They that's how they love you. 
Um, I, I agree with that. Yeah, no, he, he knows how to treat a bartender. But, um, and I, yeah, Buck isn't w- doing anything for Tara. The entire Pammy relationship is just for Buck. Yeah. Um, I think I said last week, like, if Buck were a, you know, traditional person, you know, this would be an actual relationship he would be in. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And I think that, you know, one of the one of the things that I noticed, especially in the first episode, was, you know, as Tara's children are becoming uh, adult, yeah. separating from their parents, you know, Kate, to a large degree, is doing that. She's got this job now. She's got yeah. this new friend in Linda P. Frazier, who I'm going to continue to call Linda of P. Course. Frazier. Of um, course. There's yeah. that one, you know, she's starting to... She threatens at one point, I'm going to move out. You know, yeah. She's not quite at that point, but in a year, that won't be an empty threat. Right. And and at the same time, as Tara's children no longer need her to the degree mm-hmm. that they they have been, Tara is in the best place that she's been in in years. She was not transitioning for a while, right? At least you know yeah. three months until Buck started coming out again. And so to me, one of the things that I think about with that is – Buck may have just been bored, right? Like their yeah. their lives seem to have been chugging along fine. There were no real problems mm-hmm. for the altars to take care of. And so Buck is, in a sense, the altar that has come. I mean, you know, partly it's circumstantial because they, you know, she meets this bartender that that the Buck part of her likes a lot. He yeah. comes out starting to date her to help her with her children, mm-hmm. which I don't think is incidental. I think the fact that Pammy has these two yeah. small daughters is a way for Tara to feel needed by a child as well. Because as Mm. we, as we know from the last few episodes of, of season one, there is some co-consciousness going on here. Yeah. So there is a part of Tara that is still there when Buck is out helping Pammy with her children. Yeah. 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 We, I mean, we had that great scene where last week where Buck is, you know, and Tara are having an argument with each other, even, the degree to which Tara is co-conscious does seem to shift depending on – again, she doesn't really have any memory of her dates with Pammy, for example. Right. She doesn't even seem to know who she is. But um, at the same time, you know, Tara does say she remembers – when she's told about an event, she sort of remembers it. So you, you can kind of see that when they're talking about going to the fun fair or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. And I think that um, – I, I wonder how that's going to uh, – feed into the the revelation at the end of the second episode yeah. that, that Tara has a new altar that is Shoshana, you know, the, the, the gay neighbor's <laughs> therapist from New York who it, – it's, it's an interesting revelation. I think it's handled very well, but it does raise questions about what exactly was going on there. Like, is Shoshana giving Tara therapy – or not. Well, I mean, she. I, 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 okay, so having gone through therapy myself, um, I. I, know, I have gone through therapy as well. Yeah. I, I was a New Yorker for many years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't live in the city without having therapy for a while. Uh, after a while, you don't. It's not so much that you get cured, it's not that your therapist cures you or anything, but a good therapist will. Help you to reframe your life events, help you to understand things, help you to yeah. place things in proper context. And in a way, if you've gone through for a therapist as well, you kind of internalize their personality. And so, you know, I've been out of therapy many years. A lot of time when I'm dealing with a situation, I'll pretend I'm talking. Except for to, this podcast. Well, of course. Um, 
a lot of times I'll pretend I'm back with my therapist and what would she say in this? How would she react to this? What would she tell me to think about? Those kind of things you get into a... How do you feel about that, Richard? I feel like that's actually not how therapy sessions work. Um, But no, somebody... All all of my understanding of therapy has come from television shows. (laughs) I apologize. Someone like Tara, who spent most of her adult life in therapy, has internalized the therapeutic process very well. Mm -hmm. And so especially with the voice of Shoshana through this book. Yeah. She is able to, I mean, she may not be a, Tara in the pres, in the persona of Shoshana is not a qualified therapist, as in, you know, she's not like, but at the same time, um, she does, I, I would say Shoshana's about as good of a therapist as if Tara were an actress who had prepared very well for the role of a therapist. Yeah. I mean, I think what I really love, one of the things I noticed this time around was the scene when she's reading the she's reading the book aloud or there's a voiceover of it. And it's a voiceover of, of her reading the book in her yes. head, yeah. The voice that Tara's using is kind of a proto version of what will eventually be the voice she uses when she's Shoshana. It's yeah. kind of like a stepping stone. You can see her slowly creating that personality yeah. through that. In other words... I think what's kind of happening is Tara's almost trying out that persona and using the book as her first lines, and then by the end of the episode, the Shoshana persona has fully been created. And, you know, it's also, it's also a different way in which a, a, an altar is being created. Yeah. Because as we've seen throughout the first season, the altars were founded through some sort of trauma. And Shoshana yeah. is and isn't. In that same way, I mean, certainly Max is upset with Tara for yeah. lying about transitioning into into Buck for for yeah, yeah, yeah. like a couple weeks at least. But I'm, then, of course, the other thing about that too is that Tara is continuing to lie to Max. Maybe she yeah. doesn't know she's lying to him, which I think is something we'll have to see what happens with the Shoshana character with the with the therapist at yeah, the yeah, end yeah. of the second episode because Tara is saying to Max that she is. Having phone sessions with with Shoshana, she is going to do Skype sessions with Shoshana. She is doing therapy. She's yeah. she's just the therapist. <laughs> and so the question in my mind is: I think Max is is stunned in that moment because oh my god, there's a new altar. What's, yeah, what the fuck is going on? But also because Tara is lying to him mm-hmm. now with the Buck thing. He she was lying to him very deliberately Tara was lying to him which is what he said yeah, right yeah, yeah. He, he, that's why he was so upset about it but now I think what he's realizing that this is even going deeper yeah. because I think that, that that Tara didn't realize that she was lying about having phone sessions with Shoshana well look at the the, the scene when she first one of the early scenes is after she reads the book she gets up she goes over to the phone she idly dials a couple of numbers and that she starts to I mean this is something you pointed out I'm uh she she does that kind of like thing with her eyes when she's about to transition, but then it goes into that flashback. Yeah. And so I have to say, the first time I watched this episode, I was I, I believed that she was legitimately calling, you know, Shoshana and that she was having a phone relationship. Um the episode I thought did a good job. Watching it the second time and knowing where this goes, it's obvious that it, it's it's obvious how there is no yeah. conversation here. But yeah, I think there is a Part of Tara that isn't quite—I don't want to say—isn't quite aware of what's really going on, but at the same time, I don't know. It, it, yeah, it, there is. Tara does seem to believe that she has made contact with Shoshana, and she Shoshana is working with her. And 
to a degree, that's what's happening, except it's just not the real Shoshana. It's not the real Shoshana. Tara has internalized her book and created this new personality. Yeah. And I, you know, the, I want to talk about the flashback though, because I think it's a very, there's a couple of specific things about it that are, that are very, very uh, interesting, let's say, or, or or sort of indicative of something. Because of course, the first thing is that it's a flashback to Tara and Charmaine as children, right? Yeah. Charmaine is wearing the same poncho that Gimme wears. Which I think is yeah. very key uh, to something, and also the the woman that is taking yeah. care of them, assumingly their grandmother. I would assume. I don't think that was supposed to be her mother. Mm. Um, I'm I'm speculating. I, you know, we'll, we'll find out. I don't want to give spoilers to anybody. I would say but I don't know if you remember where it goes, but I remember where it goes. I, I kind of do. Yeah. That the the point is that in that flashback they do the Muppet Baby thing where you don't see her yeah. face, you just see the bottom half of her body, but she's dressed like Alice and she sounds like Alice. And let's and so, put it this way, we've met Tara's mother be- we, already. We've met her this mother. This isn't her right. mother. This isn't her mother. So we know that at least. So we have perhaps the origins of both Alice and Gimme. Mm, yes. And I don't remember if they go into what the origins of Buck R.T. is, you know, the wild teenage right. persona. There isn't as much of a specific there but uh yeah yeah i don't know if they go into the the origins of buck but we'll we'll find out about that but i think it's just key to the idea that yeah both tara and max and i think tara to a lesser degree than max at this point max is realizing that this is much more complicated than he thought and he's also someone that's been living with this for 20 years and i guess what this is making me think about is how distracted and not around max has been for the past couple weeks because yeah tara has I mean, the amusement park thing. That meant that Tara was away from the house for several hours in the persona of Buck. And from Max's view, his wife is somebody who is prone to disappearing because she has, you know, disassociative identity disorder. If he doesn't know, if he, he didn't notice that she was away for a full day. Yeah. Is yeah. the implication there. Stuff like that because he is so wrapped up in this house. He's wrapped up in the house. He's wrapped up in his job. You know, whatever it is. I mean, this kind of paints – I think the show wants us to ask this question, although I'm not sure if it will give a definite answer. I think the show is smart enough to realize there are no definite answers, but you talk about what is Buck – what purpose is Buck serving Um at this point, everybody's been kind of drifting away and doing their own things, and now the plot is about Tara again. Yeah, that. I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean that 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 implies a bit more selfish motivations from her part. Again, it's possibly something self conscious, but at the same time, it is having that effect. Well, and talk about talk about drifting apart. The the second episode, you becoming you. Yeah, there is a motif throughout that entire episode mm. of sex as a way for people to disconnect from each other yeah that i find really oh, really interesting yeah because you know normally sex is a way for people to connect it's a way to p- feel great about yourself and to to really you know uh, uh uh connect on a deeper level with someone and all those yeah you know, all that gay shit but you know tara and max have very angry aggressive sex in the backyard yeah it, it, that's not a way for them to connect that's a way for them to basically punch each other without yeah. getting into a physical altercation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and look at, I love the opening of that episode where Max is hammering the wall and it, it goes into, you know, reels that Tara has been standing there the entire time. Like, if you want to talk about a very heavy symbolic scene, like, oh my God. Yeah. 
But then you have you have Charmaine with the revelation that she's pregnant, that mm. Nick, Nick, and, Nick and she are going to have a baby. And of course, you know, you can have your opinions about Nick and Charmaine, but I think the show is making it clear that Charmaine is trying to convince herself that she loves, yeah. Nick, loves Nick or likes her more, and likes I, him more than she thinks she does. So that's another way for them to disconnect. And I think the show, you know, do, does make it clear that Nick is a fine person he made oh yeah, yeah yeah like there's he's he's he's, he's the closest that the show has to somebody with no faults like. right right um you know of course kate is is dressing up as as valhalla and it, the revelation is that you know linda p Fraser says that that character doesn't have sex because she doesn't actually have any yeah. sex organs and then you know you've got I mean, marshall it, and courtney which is yeah. just that's obviously marshall just well yeah, yeah. well the beginning i mean the first episode one of the motifs is about exploration largely sexual. I mean, it's – there is that scene where both the gay neighbor reveals that he used to date women and Charmaine even reveals that she had a girlfriend in college. Yeah, like, you know, for a month. Yeah, you know, obviously that's not where Charmaine went, but all of these characters have experimented. I mean, and that's kind of what uh, – uh, I, I remember – when Pammy, you know, confronts T- Tara in the grocery store in last week, uh, you know, Tara has that horrified, I've never been with, you know, I've never been with a woman kind right. of thing. And now when she's dressing as, you know, when she's pretending to be Buck and going up to the apartment, part of her is seeing, well, what's this life that I've been living? Is this something that I, Tara, would find pleasant? You know, if Buck is liking this, is this a place for me too, in a way? I mean, that's that... The neighbor has the line about how you know, you need to give a full investigation to figure out what you want in life, and which I mean, whether you agree with that or not. I mean, the second episode is showing characters who are seeing the dark sides of that full investigation, or realizing like, no, I, I knew what I wanted this whole time. I mean, Marshall is not so much experimenting with heterosexuality as he is fully being able to reject it. Yeah, I mean, I think that that. You know, let, let's talk about Marshall's yes. storyline. Yeah, I, I love Marshall's storyline, but it is one of those things where, like you say, Marshall is not experimenting with with heterosexuality. He's rejecting it, or he's yeah, he's embracing his gayness in his, a way. I mean, his, he he comes out to his father, and uh, that is such a great scene because that is the scene that was written for every gay dude watching it, so that they could vicariously redo their coming out with their own dad. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, just two, it's two lines. I'm gay. Good. You know, it's like, that's fine. Yeah, I, yeah. Not even that's okay. It's good. Like it's good. You finally figured that out. Like the only thing Max was worried about was, you know, Marshall's confusion. And I think that, that, you know, to, to, to Marshall's confusion, I think that his confusion was less about mm. not knowing who he was or what he wanted to do. And more about fearing a real, he, he had a traumatic incident with mm. Jason, and I think that that spooked him to a large degree. I think that he was unsure about whether or not that was more about Jason or more about yeah. himself. And, you know, he experiments with a girl. That's what he's going to do. I mean, I, I think it's even further than that because this is all, uh, un- you know, poor Courtney is all about Lionel, really. Um I think that Marshall has met Lionel. I mean, you think Courtney has a thing for Lionel? No, 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 no. Marshall has a thing for Lionel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's not able to deal with that right now. And so Courtney just happens to be there. And she and Lionel are have a little bit of friction there. And so that's kind of his. He's, you know, he has, starting a relationship with Courtney is two ways of sticking it to Lionel, really. Um, yeah. I mean, and. 
Be, be, because remember, Lionel says to Marshall in last week's episode something, oh, you were going for straight Jason or something like that. I think Marshall is having a worry that Mar- – again, we talked a little bit last week about Marshall's kind of uh, – uh, how he's a little turned off by Lionel's, let's call it, flamingness. The fact that Lionel is somebody who can never hide that he's gay, that he's doing this very openly and defiantly and – Marshall is worried that, well, if I'm gay, is that what I have to be? You right. know, can he – which is something that you know I've gone through. Most you know, gay men go through that phase where they don't know how – you don't know how to be gay. It's not like you can talk to your dad about that. It's not like – for a lot of guys, you don't really know how to be gay. Do you? Are you going to be the you – know, It's pretty easy to make out with dudes. Well, you know, and, and that's the that, – <laughs> that's, the, which, that's an it, answer from a 35-year-old man though. But right. you know, to be fair, like that's a point that – you know, I I think we do agree at this point. Yes, the way to be gay is yourself, except you know you're making out with dudes. Um, well, yeah, because I mean, you know, n- not to get too personal, but you know, as someone who never really grappled with his homosexuality, yeah. very briefly when I was like 13, and then I was just like, yeah, whatever, I'm gay, get over it. Uh, is that I generally speaking still like was not. Uh, 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 attracted to more femi guys, and yeah. I'm, I'm saying, you know, I can say that you can't say that unless <laughs> you're also gay. But but now that I now that I'm older and more yeah. secure in myself and what I know and what I like, one of the things I like is femi guys, and so to me it just says that um, Marshall is getting there a lot earlier than a yeah. lot of gay men get there. To be fair, Part, Marsh, yeah, Marshall is also 14 in 20. 10 he's not with these parents with these parents yeah <laughs> i mean there you know i kate has a line where you know she says oh god you know having having you know parents who were teen this is what happens when you're the child of two teenagers you know marshall uh, no, max and tara were very young when they had their kids and they're still very young and so they have much younger ideas than maybe yeah. many of Marshall's parents. Yeah. I don't remember if we see Lionel's family situation, but I doubt they are quite as accepting of their son. Yeah. Um, I mean, anybody that dyes his hair blonde is just... It was the time, man. It was the time. No, it wasn't. 1999, we were all doing that. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> no, and I don't want to be unfair to Courtney either. I mean, I no. think that we are we are giving her character a little bit of short shrift. I think only because she is well, not one of our characters. She is she is an interloper here. And and you know, from my perspective, I think you know, and I think from the audience's perspective, you you know Marshall is gay. You want Marshall to yeah. be happy. You know what he's doing is a mistake. I mean, he the the thing the scene that always sticks out in my mind is when in the first episode, the truth hurts. Courtney and Marshall are sitting up in the raft while <laughs> Lionel is downstairs yelling at people. Directing like, oh. a, that play? <laughs> yeah, whatever the hell it is. And, you know, they're they're doing that in that place very deliberately yeah. because Marshall and Courtney are both basically, I mean, Courtney's giving him a hand job and Marshall is essentially, I don't know, being a dildo because Courtney is, her, yeah. le- she's guiding his hand. He doesn't know what the hell to do. But, and who does really? I don't know. But, uh, it is that kind of thing where they're doing that very deliberately in that space because they are subconsciously or maybe not trying to stick it to line. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Courtney and Pammy have a lot in common in that, as I said last week, they're real people. They're not just props for the other characters to figure their stuff out. They are, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, we have to say, you know – Number one, poor Pammy. Like, that's so sad. Like, she finally finds a guy who actually 
cares about her and is actually decent and he's not even quote unquote and, a real person. And and yeah, I mean, I feel bad for Pammy. I like her, but at the, she's how, a very yeah. The, the shows the shows matter. Of fa- I, one of the things that I really like about this show in general is how matter of fact that it is about everything. And it doesn't really engage in a lot of hand-wringing about identity. I mean, aside from Marshall's stuff, but that's not really, you know. It doesn't really engage in a lot of that kind of stuff. And Pammy, to me, is an interesting character because Buck is obviously not a man, but he presents as a man. Yeah. And there is some sort of, you know, this was generally speaking, I think, before the golden age of trans awareness, which yeah. is weird to say because it was only six or seven years ago. But that's how quickly things are moving. Yeah. Now. But, you know, Pammy is calling Buck he. I think that Buck is obviously he presents him. He presents himself as a man. He says he's a man. He thinks of himself mm-hmm. as a man. He said in the first season that his dick was blown off in Vietnam. <laughs> so he has even constructed a story for himself about why he has a vagina. Yeah. And. Pammy is also going along with this. I don't yeah. think that there's a lot of existential angst on Pammy's part about what exactly no. Buck's identity is or what it means that she is in love with this person. Yeah. Which I think is really refreshing. Actually. No, she mean again, she's looking at the person, the right, psyche exactly. there. Um Yeah, I mean, of course, Courtney is gonna be a lot more okay in the end than Pammy is going to be. Like she is she she needs to go to college. She will be fine yeah. when she gets to college. Yeah. But um yeah. And also, you know, her parents were never going to be okay with Marshall because Marshall's not Jewish. It's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that Courtney will be fine. And I think that, that Marshall, I'm glad that Marshall's storyline didn't take too long to get him to this point. No, one of the things that I am realizing this time around is how quickly these plots like are resolved and they move on to kind of the next thing. Like yeah. I had thought that. You know, for example, the mystery about Shoshana, I thought was stretched out for a long time. I thought that, you know. Yeah, that's definitely the case where they do dispense with things very quickly. But I also think that, I mean, we haven't talked about Kate very much yet. And and I don't know that, you know, that storyline is very much in process. I don't think that we can really come yes. to any sort of definitive conclusion about that yet because it, it hasn't had any conclusion. Yeah. It, it, Kate, and that kind of sounds like a tautology, but, but it's... No, I, Kate is seeing some new shit for the first time and she's Well, I think Kate is unfinished. Yes. She yeah, and that is I that mean, is Kate very is true. 16, 17 years old. Yeah, she's again, you know, she when she says I'm going to move out, it's an empty threat and yet it's not as empty as it was a year ago. It's a lot more it's it will be even less empty in a year and her relationship with Linda P. Frazier is very tutelary in a lot of ways. Sure. She's teaching her how to – again, I, she needs – Linda P. Frazier is, is an adult role model who's not her mother or her aunt. She's teaching her the beginnings of sexuality and drugs and all of these adult things that one in an artistic life you know, may or may not interact with. Whether or not Linda P. Frazier is being responsible or not by that – is a, is a legitimate question for discussion. Uh, and, and let's not, I mean, I, I, I think it is important to remember how they met. Yes. Too, because I think that there is a certain degree to which, you know, Linda is kind of a, a an enigma still at this yeah. point. We, we don't know much about her. We don't know much about her, her background or her, her past. What we know about her is that she is assumedly in her 30s she's an artist living in a garage in downtown yeah. kansas city which you know i mean a, she, a, and she, yeah you know we don't know much else about her aside from that and also she had a lot of debt which you know yeah. okay and so when they meet you know kate is going and asking her for money and then of course kate comes back and says hey your check bounced." yeah which kind of answers my question about 
was <laughs> she trying to embezzle or not because she did write that check from her arts organization, quote unquote. And I guess she wasn't because maybe she knew that that account was empty. <laughs> but uh, and I don't know if that actually matters to the law. But anyway. And then she writes a check from her personal account. She says this one is good. So there is a degree to which, you know, why is Linda really going along with this? I don't know. Yeah. But I think there is a degree to which Linda does really like Kate. Yeah. I mean, she does obviously recognize some of herself in Kate. She is tickled by how much, how obviously Kate is, you know, has so much of a crush on her. You know, she, it gives her a new perspective of her on her own work. Yeah. It, 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 I think Linda's intentions towards Kate are good. I don't think she wants to get Kate into any trouble, or at least not any trouble that's going to leave any permanent scars, or at least no permanent scars that won't make a good story. You know what I mean? Linda P. Frazier has gone through a lot of wild nights in her own time, and if 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 she's taking Kate under her wing and showing her a few of those wild nights, well, she'll be okay. Yeah. Well, and I think that's also also part of the reason why Kate is so dismissive when Max grounds her, yeah. right? Because she doesn't really respect his well, authority yeah. as a parent, and I don't know that I do either. I mean, no, Marshall. You know, Marshall and Courtney both cut out of school in the middle of the day to go back to Marshall's house to have sex. When Tara works from home and Max is next door working on the house and they don't even know. It it, it seems to me that that so far what this season is really coming together as is a a season of disconnection. I mean, Kate doesn't respect her parents. Again, we talked a little bit about how they're teenagers. They have a younger mindset. And so they're... Kate Kate and Max are definitely the type who want to be friends with their kids at times. And probably have more often than they've been the disciplinarian. And so Kate has probably never really been grounded in her life. So it's not like, you know, what, are you starting grounding me now, really? And how are you going to enforce that grounding? Like, really, like, what are you going to do? And what is she even doing? She's not doing anything. That's the thing. I mean, she's hanging out with Linda P. Frazier. She's wearing funny costumes and, you know, modeling for paintings and talking about art. And they're going, you know. I I think a lot of that that reaction on Max's part had more to do with the fact that he's realizing that that he's really disconnected from his children and Tara and doesn't know what the hell is going on in their lives. It's also probably partly why he he, and I'm not I'm not um, saying that that Max is totally disconnected, of course, because Marshall came out to him and it was very nice and and, and low key. And the the, the final scene of of you becoming you is, you know, uh, uh, Max and, and Tara getting into bed together. Oh well, no, sorry, that's not the last scene, but that's the, the second to last scene where they get into bed together, and and Max says to Tara, "Oh, Marshall came out yeah. to me today." She's like, "Oh, Marshmallow," hmm. you know. And, 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 but she said officially, which I liked, and so there is yeah. this degree to which you know they do still care about their children. Obviously, they love them; no. they want to take care of them. It's and, not- and and Marshall and Max are feeling connected to each other to some degree. I don't think it's, I don't think it's incidental that Marshall is the one. Who, who told his father that he's gay, like, in those words, the first person he told. Well, listen, again, remember last season, um, he talks to Tara about Jason, and she's like, well, basically, she basically says, are you sure that's a good idea? Are you sure he's gay? You know, yeah. that kind of a stuff. And when he tells Mar- when he tells Max, and I wish they had had a little more distinctive names because I'm confusing <laughs> them. When he tells Max, Max is the one who's like, oh, man, you know, your first love. Like, he's yeah. he takes it very seriously. And so, in a way, Max is the one who 
earns the right to actually have Marshall come out to him. I, yeah, I think so. And I, and the other part of that, too, of course, is that, you know, Kate and Marshall both probably are not very used to relying on Tara in yeah. that way for emotional support because mm-hmm. for most of their childhood, Tara wasn't there. Yeah, exactly. And uh, again, hitting into why, you know, discipline is a hilarious thought to Kate right now because, you know, you're the ones who need discipline. I mean, she even points it out herself. Like, I'm the one going, I'm going to my work. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, she calls herself an adult children of a mom who likes to fuck when, when they can't, you know, Kate... Again, Kate is still young, but it it could be it, it is arguable that she's the one who has the biggest head on the shoulders. She has she's the one who has the biggest goal in mind. She wants yeah. to even if it's a small ass, she wants to make enough money to be able to live in that loft with Linda P. Frazier. You know, that's that's what Kate wants. What does Tara really want at this point? What does Max really want? They don't really you know, there he Max is sinking all of his time into this house. Right. Which is Which is already sold, apparently, because Charmaine and Nick bought it. Yeah. Okay. Well, the one thing, you know, we haven't talked about, I think the one the one sour note in, in the second episode for me is uh, the the revelation that Tara says, oh, you didn't tell me Linda was black. And I'm just kind you of like, know, I don't know where that came from. And it, I seems, mean, it seems very one note to me. And it doesn't well, seem like something that Tara would say. I mean, I I, I will say I've, I, I've had similar conversations with my own parents, like where they're like, you know, that's great. Yeah, but your parents are in the My 60s. parents are a little older. Yes. My parents, f- for my parents to get into that point is basically, well, we – lived through the whole civil rights thing, you know, maybe even younger, but we, it's a... Sorry, I'm laughing because I just remember something my mother told me about her father once in the 60s who essentially said, I don't know why that Martin Luther King is causing all that trouble. (laughs) You're like, well, okay. Yeah. um, You know, for someone of my parents' generation, for race to be a non-issue in a friendship means that Okay, all of that stuff of the civil rights, it was good. It, yeah, it, it had the effect that we wanted it to. Um, which, but it, but it seems like a, it still seems like a weird thing. Yes, for Tara which to is say. a little. Yeah, it, it seems like a different generation from Tara having that. That is true. Yeah, I mean, it does, it does give a good opportunity for for the great line. We're in the Barack Obama era, which is really dating the show. But you know. <laughs> but at the same time, I do forget how much reason. You know, I again, I always think of this as an early two. You know. Yeah. I don't know why I always think of the show as Bush era. Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't. I mean, the whole show was on during Obama's first yeah. time. Yeah, so. I mean, a lo- and again, a lot of the – there have been several lines in the season which are definitely post-financial crisis. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we could probably do a whole podcast on just the, the technology of the United States of Terra. Mm, yeah. The Tease rise, my space page. The rise of texting, their flip phones. You mm. know, it's just – it's hilarious. I guess the most confusing thing in this episode is what the fuck was up with Neil's shirt, which is two blue I thought swans you, in a heart shape. I thought you were going to say what was up with the ants because that was like it, that, that. You're right. That that was an opportunity for a very you know heavy symbolism. Like ants are crawling in, you know, some things, you know, but they don't really do it enough, you know, yeah, to yeah. for it to actually be a symbol. But I mean, we talk a lot about the show. We like the show. Obviously, we both think it's very good and, de- and, yeah. and deep and has a lot of important things to say. But, you know, it, it also does misfire from time to time. And there are things but, that we're just kind of like, I don't. But know the misfires, again, are a weird shirt or yeah. a, 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 two jokes about ants that maybe they just meant it to be just a little joke. And, right. Right. You know, it could. Well, well, and I also, you know, maybe my final point before we wrap this episode up is that, um, you know, I think I mentioned this last week as well, but 
one of the things that's really striking me so far in the first four episodes of the second season is that the show is a lot less funny yeah. than it was in the first season. Oh, yeah. And, and it's not to say that the show in the first season was a comedy, because it certainly was not. But it had more of a one-liner jokey tone mm-hmm. to it than the show does in the second season. And the, the one-liners in this episode, again, are, you know, adult children of moms that like to fuck. It's a funny line, but it's also a really bitter line and yeah it, you know, or it, like or charmaine's when when uh, uh charmaine tells him she's pregnant and, and kate says just have the baby you hope he wraps the umbilical yeah. cord around his neck and you know charmaine's response is what the fuck kate yeah you know, which is funny but yeah. it, it also comes from a real place uh, it, it, it's exactly you say that line to your aunt that's that's a horrible thing to say or or marshall that's a lot of condoms yeah you know, i like love shoshana's i i want to call her shoshana because that's the character she was plays in girls but it is a little confusing that it's shoshana the new alter yeah, yeah. well the point is i think courtney has the line of this week with yeah i did so many times <laughs> her delivery of that line is just it, it's wonderful it's 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 yeah i i really appreciate i don't know the actor's name but the the actor who plays marshall in that scene uh, kira gilchrist yeah pl- plays that scene post coitus yeah so wonderful <laughs> because it is so obvious that he did not enjoy that he did not like it at all he probably he's, didn't even come because no. they you know she says what did you do oh uh, yeah you came right <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's just it, it, it he's got this look on his face that is just perfect for that scene mm-hmm. and 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 that's when you really that's the moment that to me always strikes where we say yeah he's gay and he knows he's gay yeah and he's now he's like yep I don't want any part of that. And I, I, I have to say, I, I have been in that bed. I have been Marshall in that scene. Well, you really should not be in bed with 15-year-olds. He was children. probably 19 at least when he filmed that scene. So God, I hope so. <laughs> um, no, like, I've been in that situation, and you're right. He he, he nails it. <laughs> As someone who has never had sex with a woman, I guess they would call that gold star gay. Is that something people say? I mean, yes, uh, I never, in 19... I have never 18. been in that situation. <laughs> yes, on opposite day. But I did touch a breast once. Whose? I had a girlfriend when I was 14. <laughs> oh, wow. You touched breast at 14. Good for you. Yeah, I was I was advanced. But not as advanced as Marshall, who was, you know, having sex with, with Courtney. Well, again, the scene well, made it clear that he did not have sex with Courtney. Oh, he had sex with her. I just don't think that either of them enjoyed it very much, and neither of them really... <laughs> Yeah, we don't need to get into <laughs> what exactly yeah, happened really, in that bed. Anyway, um, dogs in a bathtub. <sighs> yeah. Well, if you have any thoughts on either of the episodes we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash trekaboutshow, which, funnily enough, also supports our other podcast, Trekabout. Whoa! We're currently starting off the seventh season of Deep Space Nine. Next week, we're releasing our episode on the DS9 episodes, After Image, and Take Me Out to the Holosuite. That sounds like a fun one. That was a very ominous whisper. So patreon.com slash truckaboutshow. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Tuning in shows our username on all those places. And as always, please leave us a iTunes review for tuning in. It is the best way to help the show, aside from giving us money. Or do both of them. Next week, we're going to be talking about, oh, actually one of my favorite episodes of the show. Yeah. Uh, well, not this one. Doing Time. And uh, Toronto. The Mac. Why do you...